The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Welcome, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a great show coming up. I'm looking forward to it because I have with me my colleague and my good friend, Linda Smith. Uh, She will be joining us today as we talk about breastfeeding, particularly about breastfeeding the older baby. Linda, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hi, Marie. Good to talk to you. Oh, always, Linda. You know it. It's it's funny when I told my husband he that I was having Linda Smith on my show. He said, "Oh, gee, whatever will you two talk about for an hour?" <laughs> I was going to say a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always wonder if I have too much content prepared for the show or not enough. And today I told myself, "Oh, no problem," because Linda Smith and I could talk forever. It, it, there would never, we would never run out of talking points. That's for sure. But actually, Linda, uh, I want to talk especially with you about breastfeeding the older baby, because honestly, uh, you're one of the few people who comes to my mind that I really consider to be a credible source on breastfeeding the older baby. And notice, I'm not counting myself as somebody that, that has had a lot of exposure to that. What I usually find is that uh, mothers with older babies generally have either solved their own problems or they've asked their friends or their baby is what I call self-service. But, you know, truth be told, I really don't have that many interactions with them. I know, however, that you've really, you have literally been there, done that, and you've certainly helped many mothers uh, who have older babies I know that we could talk forever about the importance of breastfeeding after six months or so. Uh, we've got the World Health Organization, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Well, well, let, me, the, let me stop for just a second, Marie, because sure. the definition of older baby is kind of a moving target. It is. Everybody uh, totally else in agree. the world recommends exclusive breastfeeding for six months, of course, and then Breastfeeding to continue for two years or longer as long as the mom and baby want it. The sole exception at the policy level is the American Academy of Pediatrics, who says a year or longer. And nobody has an upper limit. So how long is too long? There's absolutely no definition, and there's no age beyond which continuing to nurse is a bad idea for mom or baby. So when you say older baby, some people think older than six months. Some people think older than a year. Some think, oh, well, after they walk. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. Honestly, Linda, when I think older baby, I think older baby as more than six months old for the sheer reason that so few people do it for longer than six months. Well, we also don't track the numbers very well. It right. wasn't until recently that CDC even tracked breastfeeding to a year because of the AAP policy, but we really don't know the the average age of weaning in the U.S. because we don't track once it's past a year, if it's still going, we don't really know. We don't have right. good data on that. And, and I might add, even though I know I'm distracting myself here a little bit, but it's always amazing to me how many women kind of try to hide the fact from me that they're still breastfeeding their baby. And oh, I'm I know. Like, it's considered weird. Which I, 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 yeah. I keep thinking, are we in 1972 yet? Well, and I have to ask myself... If they're trying to hide this from me and I'm in this business, what yeah. does that tell me about how they feel with society as a whole? No I, I assume that they no really kidding. feel like uh, people think less of them for doing this. If we have sakes. to pass laws to protect mothers of two-month-olds from being harassed for nursing their baby out while they're eating dinner, what about the 12-month-old or the 22-month-old? Oh, my gosh. Those kids can walk and talk. Yes. So, actually, thank you for interrupting, and I just want to give a little throwback to a show that I did, oh, I want to say two or three months ago with Michelle Atkin in the UK, and when I talked to her about something like uh, weaning, she kind of backed up and said, well, wait a minute, you know, this is what babies normally do, (laughs) So I think it's really important to keep that in perspective. So thanks for stopping me on that one. I just know that in my own small world, it seems to me like I see so few of them past six months that I do think of it that way. But then we we certainly know that globally that's not the case, and that is a, a point for a discussion uh, a little later, but but hold that thought. Um, Linda, I know that we could talk about the advantages, and we will talk about that, but I'd like to start out with what you identified as just a few of the barriers to continuing past that six months, because again, the AAP kind of calls out that that six months. And so as we were talking before the interview, and I said to you, Linda, just tell me the five things off from the top of your smart little head there. And for the benefit of my audience, I'm going to run down those five points, and then I'm going to ask you to expand on each one of them. Okay, So sure. first of all, you said, number one, frequent nursing. Number two, nonstop all-night nursing. Number three, criticism. Number four, stupid myths. And number five, divorce and custody issues. So let me start at the top again. When you talked about frequent nursing, tell us what what exactly is that and how do mothers perceive it and why is that a barrier? Well, the, the myth out there is that breastfeeding is only about food. So you have exclusive breastfeeding for six months, and you're tied to this baby every hour, hour and a half, pretty much round the clock, and you might get a shower once a day if you're really lucky and you've got a cooperative baby. And everybody expects that will ease off once the baby is more or less past six months and starting to grab 
food off your plate and eating other things. Um, you know, the eight, nine-month-old might eat a whole handful of French fries and still nurse as often as the newborn. Which yes. mothers are not always prepared for that. Prepared for, yeah, right? I would agree. And nursing, as you get past six months out into the older ages, certainly the food part of breast milk is extremely important. The immunity part is very important. The emotional relationship between the mother and baby, the trust, the nurturing that goes on is maybe becomes even more important than the food part because they're getting some food elsewhere. The immunity is absolutely high up there. Uh, But kids don't... I remember one of my kids, uh, first one, my dad died when he was about 10 months old. He went back to exclusive breastfeeding like a newborn because I was upset, he was upset. And we're talking every hour and a half during the daytime and maybe a nap and... um, still nursing a couple of times at night, and I wasn't prepared for that. So yes. talking to other doctors, enough talk to doctors, talking to other mothers, Parents, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah uh-huh. my kid did that too when he got a cold or when thus and such happened. I remember taking him into the uh, pediatric clinic, and the, the, new, the new guy who I hadn't seen before, young young guy, took a look at me, and I said, well, can this be okay? And he said, Mrs. Smith, your kid's the healthiest kid I've seen in two weeks. Go home. <laughs> what so are you guess doing when you're doing okay. it right? <laughs> so, Linda, this, this really brings up for me, if this is the barrier, then how do we help parents pass that barrier? And it sounds like a little forewarning, a little anticipatory guidance, a little reassurance. You know, Marie, that's a really good um, question. There's only a very few books, I think can only think of three, that address nursing an older baby into toddler. Mothering Your Nursing Toddler was written a long time ago, and it's still valid. At uh-huh. that point, most moms don't come to lactation professionals right. for help. Because right. it's unless they get a sudden case of sore nipples because somebody got thrush or something unusual happens, they don't come for the normal. No. They don't need help with the normal. They don't need help. That's why I don't see no. them. Well, yeah. actually, they need peer support. This is when the uh, LHA League and the other mother support groups, the WIC peer counseling program, this is where group support makes all the difference, knowing that your 13-month-old is just as obnoxious at 3 a.m. Somebody else's 13-month-old. <laughs> and so to some extent, Linda, I have to tell you that some time ago, a good friend of mine years ago said to me, at the end of the day, all of us want to feel normal. And essentially, that's what you're saying is that when you get in that peer group and you see other kids and other moms in that situation, it doesn't feel like you're alone in this. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. One, one of my friends... Um, was told by a preschool teacher, this is three- and four-year-olds, well, we don't want you nursing your newborn in front of the other three- and four-year-olds because they might think it's weird. And my friend said to the teacher, do you do realize that most of the three-year-olds and four-year-olds in your class are still nursing themselves? Right. Oh, the teacher had no idea. No clue. No. No clue. Of course, Linda, see, I want to of take course they would see it minute. normal that my friend was nursing her baby because their siblings are being nursed and some of them were still nursing. Yes, yes. Linda, I want to take you back for a moment. Do you have off the top of your head, I'm familiar with uh, 
mothering your nursing toddler. Are there any others that come to your mind off the bat? Um, the more general book, The Woman in the Art of Breastfeeding, yeah, has sure. sections on that. Our yep, brand yep. new book that will be out in a few weeks called Sweet Sleep has a section on ages and stages, which is all about sleep patterns for older kids. And Linda, I'm pretty sure that you are the author of Sweet Sleep, am I correct? I am one of four. One of four, okay. Right. The, the four authors are Diane Wiesinger, Diana West, myself, and Teresa Pittman. And and there again, we've got four credible people also who, uh, some of them participated in the uh, Womanly Art. And yeah, as the other said, three wrote the woman the the newest edition of the Womanly Art, and I came in on this edition because I knew the research on sleep and SIDS and all of those issues. Probably. Don't go away on that one. I want to try to get you to um, the nonstop all-night nursing. Uh, what's the myth around that? What's the reality, and how do we help mothers with it in the two minutes we've got left? How do we nurse at night? Kids need to kids need to be near their mom at night, and a lot of parents think that that by the time they're fill in the blank age, they can sleep by themselves, and nothing could be further than the truth. Babies really need that touching, but some of them need to be nursing all night long with a nipple in their mouth. And sometimes they just won't sleep unless they're nursing on mom, which drives mom nuts. You can try taking it out. You can try putting your finger in. You can try this or that. And I've spent a long time thinking about the anatomy and the physiology and why some kids have this persistent, very strong need. And I think it's because it's a tactile thing. They need to be having something in their mouth that's helping to rearrange the bones in their head that got pushed out of shape from birth, which is a very quick answer to a very complex, poorly researched area. So how do we help the parent to know that that's an okay thing? We get them in touch with other mothers that have been through it. Okay. It's one of those things that until you've experienced it, you probably don't understand it. Yes. Uh, I think that's... Because if you've got a cooperative child who you can say, okay, that's enough, Susie, and the kid stops, you don't understand when Janie over there's child won't stop and doesn't stop and won't sleep and screams and it just doesn't work that way. And so so maybe one of the things that we all need to keep in mind is that just like adults, children have their own little idiosyncrasies, quirks, needs, whatever, and we probably need to be much more respectful of that. Oh, yeah. Infant temperament, child temperament has a lot to do with this. Thank you. Uh, We're going to be talking much more about this when we come back on the other side of the break. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed, and my guest today, Linda Smith, we will We'll be right back right after this short break. Breastfeeding moms rely on the use of a breast pump for those times they are away from their little one. The most important aspect of pumping is having the correct flange. That's the part that comes in contact with mom. Only Pump and Pound offers a pump flange engineered to be more comfortable and more effective. That means more milk in less time. This revolutionary design can also reduce a mom's chance of getting plugged ducts, mastitis, or even tissue damage. Get a complete set of all sizes of Super Shield flanges and other pumping accessories at pumpandpal.com. 
New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuso. I have with me today my guest, Linda Smith, and we're talking about the older baby. And by that, uh, even though, as Linda points out, that is kind of a moving target, but we're talking about certainly beyond those first few months, and we're talking about some of the barriers that mothers might encounter and some ways to get around that. So Linda helped us a little bit with talking about sometimes these babies that continue in a frequent pattern and talked about babies who nurse all night. And Linda, the third thing that you pointed out to us, which can be a barrier for these mothers, is criticism from the healthcare team. Talk to us about what that barrier is. It would be nice that when you go to the doctor, they actually understand what you're going to the doctor for. So when I go to my orthopedic surgeon, I expect him or her to know a whole lot about bones and joints. When you take your child to a pediatrician, you would expect the pediatrician to know a lot about things like scary things like meningitis and pink eye and ear infections, but also about how you're feeding them. And the unfortunate fact is, and even our Surgeon General says this, is that medical school education on breastfeeding is pretty limited to what's in the milk and not usually covers how to get it from the mother to the baby for how long and how comfortably. Linda, I just want to interrupt and say that I always think that we've done a good job at selling breast milk. I don't know that we've done a very good job of selling breast feeding in this country. Well, I'm not so sure we've even had a good job of selling breast milk, but yes, (laughs) better than the feeding because you have to deal with real women. You know, milk you can put in a container and you have to confront women doing something very womanly and only they can do it. And that's, it kind of puts the mother in the driver's seat, which is, um, I think, one of the best parts about breastfeeding is you can watch your child thriving on what you're doing completely from your body. Yes. It's yes. yours to victor- it's yours to savor. 
So help us with, uh, I, I'm thinking about, for instance, one woman that always stands out in my mind. When the baby was six months old, the PD started uh, asking her about when she was going to wean the baby. And she kind of, you know, kind of blew him off. And then at nine months, she went in and it was the same old story. And he really started pressuring her. This woman is extremely well-read, extremely well-educated, very confident, very together. And I remember that so much because she did have the the whatever to be able to fend him off. But, oh, you well, know. I'll tell you the story of my orthopedic surgeon who I've been going to for very various joint issues for, oh, more than 10 years now, maybe 13 or 14 years. Somewhere along the way, um, he and his wife had their first child. And I helped him through a little bit there. Baby's coming up to a year, and he said, yeah, he's coming up to a year, and we're thinking about stopping at a year. And I said, why? Is it going well? Yeah. Does your child like to breastfeed? Well, obviously, he, continues, he still does. <laughs> Is he eating family foods? Oh, yeah. And mom like it? Yeah. Well, there's really no reason to stop. Trust me, kids stop when they're ready. And when they're ready, you can't make them nurse one more time. There is nothing you can do to make right. a kid nurse who doesn't want to do it. Uh, if they I want would... to, they still yeah. have a need that hasn't been fully fulfilled. And he said, oh, okay. Time passes. I saw him, oh, not too long ago. And he, he said, by the way, that thing you told me when our child was coming up about a year, he's still nursing at, I don't know, he was two and a half or three and a half at the time. You just yeah. planted the seed that why would we listen to weaning advice when things are going well? And you reassured us that kids stop when they're ready. Yes. I, I want to repeat those two things because I think those, uh, you just, as usual, as usual, Linda, you put your finger right on it very succinctly. It is that, number one, reassurance, and number two, that understanding that the baby is the one who should be making this decision, not the doctor, not the, not some document that is published somewhere. Uh, to me, that's so important. Well, I'll tell you another story. My friend Sharon and I are both we're both short. I'm five foot two, and she was the same height. Her husband is very petite. Mine's six foot three. We both took our exclusively breastfed children into our our health clinic where we lived at about six months. And Sharon got the speech, you got to start solid food because your child is on the low growth curves for height and weight. And Sharon said, well, what foods? Well, all in general, they just need more food to make your child grow faster. Okay. Within a day or two, I went to the same clinic, saw the same nurse, and my child was in the 95th percentile of height and weight. Obviously built after her daddy. Got the same speech. You got to start solid food because your child is growing too fast. <laughs> so we both went back and said, "No, which is it?" <laughs> what a great story! And we both, and at that point, we were friends. We were we'd nurse our kids together. We lived in the same neighborhood, and. We were going to a breastfeeding support group, and we just kind of said, okay, if our kids aren't turning purple, we're not going back to that person right. again. If they're right. so clueless on that. 
Oh, wow. You, you, you know, Linda, you just led me right into your fourth point. And for those of uh, those listeners who might be just joining us, Linda said the barriers uh, for the older baby. I'm sorry to use that word, but I don't have a better one. Uh, frequent nursing, number two, nonstop all night nursing, number three, criticism from the healthcare team. And number four, you said in your usual Linda Smith way, you know, it's like... You never have to wonder where Linda Smith is coming from. (laughs) And you said, stupid myths. Linda, talk to us about some of the stupid myths you've heard about extended breastfeeding. Oh, well, one of them is you'll turn your kid into a homosexual. Yep, yep, And and that's been said about girl babies and boy babies, and of course it has absolutely no relationship. Um, Another one that I fought my state health department for three months on when I was on contract is it'll rot your kid's teeth. Well, baby bottle tooth decay is about the bottle and about formula. It's not about breastfeeding all night long. And when I had this contract 20 years ago, the research hadn't been published on it yet. So now we know that breastfeeding all night long is not going to rot your kid's teeth. You're going to never get them out of your bed. Trust me. I've got kids who are now in their 30s and 40s. They're nowhere. They're not even my house. They do leave your bed. Excuse me. I want to back up a moment to the part about the tooth decay. Tooth decay. Because uh, I have read that literature and I have reread it. And I've also read it from different disciplines. And it always seems to me like it's the dentists who are absolutely convinced that the studies show that it does rot the kid's teeth. And so I feel like we've got a long way to go to overcome that one. Yeah. In fact, uh, Dr. Ruth Lawrence works at the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry. So one thing the U.S. Breastfeeding Committee did is um, request a review of the literature on this. And uh-huh. there is no relationship. The long-term breastfeeding, the, the baby bottle tooth decay is about mostly about strep mutans, which grows right. very well in formula. It doesn't grow in breast milk. So formula pools in a baby's mouth if it's bottle-fed, especially at night when the baby's laying down. First of all, breast milk doesn't pool because it doesn't right. leak out of the breast and sit there in the baby's mouth. They've even tested by taking baby teeth and putting in a, a beaker of breast milk and Decay doesn't happen, so it's not a growth medium. And uh, that is pretty powerful. It is. It's very powerful. And the studies show that the strep mutants. If you treat the strep mutants in the mother and the baby, you don't get baby bottle tooth decay. Um, high fever in pregnancy with antibiotic use is one of the risk factors. I mean, there there are really the dentists are the ones that are seeing the kids with the rotten teeth. They're right. not seeing all the other kids who have. Well, Linda, the other question that I have to ask myself when I hear this from the dentist is, are these exclusively breastfed kids? No, because the kids aren't exclusively breastfed around the time the teeth are coming through. Usually they're eating family foods. Now, if you're feeding them raisins and candy all day long, they're going to have more sugar in their mouth. And see, this is just it. I think we have a lot of education here to do about a breastfed baby is not a breastfed baby is not a breastfed baby. So when they look at me and say, look at we see these kids in our office, then my question is, are those exclusively breastfed kids? And you're, you're seeing the problems. 
when you base public health, you're supposed to look at the norm right. and then <laughs> treat the problems yes. one-to-one. You right. don't base public health policy based on the exception. Right. So, yeah, some kids get colds when they're breastfeeding, and some kids get, you know, kids can get sick. But if you look at the preponderance of evidence at the population basis, the breastfed kids aren't the ones getting baby bottle tooth decay because they're not using bottles and they're not using formula. Uh, before we uh, run out of time here, I want you to tell me about, uh, you, you said there's no truth to the idea that you're never going to get this kid out of the bed because your kids are out of the bed, out of the house, and on and on. But but tell me about the, uh, you're never going to have any sex if your baby is in bed with you. <laughs> that comes up all the time. And the, the most fun answer is, well, the first baby wasn't conceived in the bed. Why would you think we'd conceive the second one there? In uh, one of the books uh, about infant sleep by uh, a male doctor, Jay Gordon, I think, his chapter on this is Sex in the Laundry Room and Other Diversions. (laughs) You just have to time it. You know, foreplay for when you have a child is not getting all romantic with wine and candles. It's waiting till the kid is asleep and then getting real interested real quick. Yes. And you know you have to finish by a certain time before he wakes up again. But honestly, Linda, do you know of anybody who really can have sex in the bed with the baby? Oh, yeah. Okay, just checking. Oh, yeah. Just well, they're, asleep. they're asleep. You wait till their arms feel like logs, especially <laughs> if you have a big bed or you can shove them over into the sidecar. They don't know what's going on. Now, it is kind of interesting when the toddler comes in and finds mom and dad having a good time. Mommy, what you doing? Uh, You know, I had a colleague who told me that her kid came in and said, what are you doing? And my colleague looked at the kid and she said, um, daddy is tickling mommy. I thought that was the best answer. I'm Marie Biancuso with Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with my guest and my good friend, Linda Smith. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding moms rely on the use of a breast pump for those times they are away from their little one. The most important aspect of pumping is having the correct flange. That's the part that comes in contact with mom. Only Pump and Pound offers a pump flange engineered to be more comfortable and more effective. That means more milk in less time. This revolutionary design can also reduce a mom's chance of getting plugged ducts, mastitis, or even tissue damage. Get a complete set of all sizes of Super Shield flanges and other pumping accessories at pumpandpal.com. 
Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. So with Born to be Breastfed, I have with me today Linda Smith. Before we go on today, I'd just like to encourage all of you to take a look at some of the fine things that our friends at New Angel can offer you. Bras, bibs, diapers, washable nursing pads, 100% cotton, lots of cool things. And also, I'd like you to take a look at what our friends at Pump and Pal can offer you, just like you want a good latch for your baby, you also want a good latch for your pump. And they offer a 100% guarantee if you're not satisfied. So just to let you know, scope those out. They may or may not be for you, but would like you to at least take a look. So, Linda, we ended on a high note there when we talked about uh, uh, the, the idea that uh, there was no sex in the bed, and I think you most definitely <laughs> blew that one away for us. Talk about break a barrier. Oh, wow, Linda, thanks. A uh, really good job on that one. I'd just like to remind everyone that in a previous show, I also was explaining that if a woman has an orgasm, she may find herself spraying milk all over the place, and I went into some more detail on that on a previous show. Linda, can you take us to your number five barrier, which is divorce and custody issues? Oh, this is so sad, Marie. I, I just hate it. Yep. When I get yep. called in, I usually get called by the mom to support her when there's a baby under the age of two who the unfortunately the dad is using as a weapon to get back at her. Yep. The, the loving dads don't want to break up the breastfeeding relationship because they care about their kid, even if they can't live with mom any longer. But the ones who want to hurt mom by forcing her to wean, uh, or by taking this very young baby overnight, or even the toddler overnight, who clearly needs to be 
they need to be nursing. If the, if the kid is nursing, they need to be nursing because when they're done, they stop. And, um, boy, I just hate it when I have to go in and explain to the lawyers. Most of the lawyers involved in domestic relations have to work for both the men and the women in divorce. So they've seen it on both sides. And a lot of the courts want equal parenting. Well, that might work fine for a five-year-old, but it doesn't work for a nursing baby. Um, The late Liz Baldwin was an attorney in Florida who said it very well. Bonds are not made by severing other bonds. I just love that. Forcing a kid to wean, I've seen it happen a few times. Dad takes away the, say, 15-month-old overnight. Kid absolutely freaks out, but is old enough to figure out that now he hates to go anywhere with Dad. So if Dad was allegedly doing this to fooster the relationship with the child, it completely backfired. Yes. Um, I've had a couple of dads say, well, I want to be able to nurture my baby at night or when he's sick, like Mom does with breastfeeding. And well, guess what, fella? You're not the mother. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and the Lorax said, well, it doesn't work that way. You ain't right. got milk in your breast. Right. You didn't gestate and give birth to this kid. Linda, one of the things I find that's problematic with that, because uh, I also have gotten those attorney calls, and, and I find that I'm trying to explain something where they're just stuck on these public health statements, and the only part they get is the part about the food. Yeah. And again, I'm back to, it's not just F-O-O-D food. It's, Can't mom pump the milk and put it in a bottle? Right. Once you get past six months and they're eating other food, the the balance between food and nurt and relationship starts shifting more toward relationship. So yes. uh, an almost two year old might be nursing once or twice a day and maybe for ten minutes as they go to sleep. It's really not a lot about the food at that point, but it's everything about mom. Yes. It's everything yes. about mom, and you can't put mom in a bottle and send it to dad's house. Yeah, or grandma's exactly. house or anybody else's house. Or to anybody else's house. Right. Uh, Linda, as usual, uh, so, so wait a minute. So uh, I want to back up. I need you to take 30 seconds maybe to tell us what can you and I do starting tomorrow to help to overcome that barrier, whether it's for an individual mother or at the system level? or At the system level, I would say try to meet with every lawyer that you can meet with and explain what breastfeeding is all about. Yeah. For every mother, I would say try to work it out with dad before the courts get involved. And if you get involved, you try to speak for the baby and tell him what is normal and tell him that if dad is patient... He can develop a strong relationship with the baby as long as it doesn't break the one with the mom. Yes. You can light a second candle from one burning candle, but not if you shove it in too fast. And, Linda, I also want to point out to our listeners what you just said about the baby. I find that if it appears that I'm siding with the mother or siding with the father, I'm dusted. I've really got to make this about the baby. It's about the baby. And the... um, the American Academy of Pediatrics breastfeeding statement, not the most recent one in, I think it was 2011, but the one a couple of years ago, 
07 or 09, I don't remember which one, had a section in there about the breastfeeding relationship should be considered in custody and visitation yes. arrangements. Yes. It's not yes. in their most recent statement, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I think the most recent one was um, 2012. But I want to take you to uh, the the five big advantages that you could uh, name as related to um, the extended breastfeeding idea. And you know I'm going to put you on a short leash here because I'm going to give you only about 30 to 40 seconds to explain each one of them before we run out of time today. But uh, I want to tell our listeners that you're going to talk about brain development, comfort and immune protection, fun for both, food security, and a win-win. Can you give us a rundown of brain development, normal growth, and maybe even the story about Carl? Brain development. The human milk is made for brains. Cow milk is made for big animals that stand on four feet and double their weight <laughs> instantly, and they're not too bright. So if you're into brain development, nurse as long as this kid is willing. My youngest, um, we moved from South Texas where it was warm and sunny to a cold northern climate in Ottawa when he was about 15 months old, and he was just barely starting solid. He's a very allergic kid, and he stopped growing in height, but he kept growing in weight and development and did fine on all the other things, and we think it had something to do with sunlight. But looking back on it, we found a genetic history of slow linear growth in my family. Uh, My... uh my, 17-year-old brother was still shorter than me when I got married. So we saw delayed growth in a genetic pattern. Had I listened to somebody who said, oh, well, you need to push solid foods, it wouldn't have helped. Right. So he was still getting, now he nursed till, oh, four and a half or so. He's, um, yeah, he had learning issues. And I just look back and think, I'm so glad glad. that I nursed and he nursed for as long as he did because he got every ounce of brain development and immune protection. Um, at one point, he got pneumonia for about four months old, five months old, which nobody gets pneumonia at five months old when they're a breastfeeding sure. kid, but he did. And he had every test in the book. They thought he had cystic fibrosis, and they tested for this <laughs> and that because kids don't get that. Right. I mean, Tell us about comfort don't. and immune protection. But immune protection, human milk is a double whammy. You get the food in the shape, you get, I mean, obviously it's the food, but the shaped proteins that attack bacteria, lactoferrin is so potent that they sell it in an operating room spray to kill bacteria on the walls of operating rooms. They put it in toothpaste to prevent tooth decay, and it's extracted from human milk. Well, mother's milk is full of it. The cool thing is that these shaped molecules, first of all, go and eat up bacteria or do whatever they're doing, and then through the digestive process, they're food. But when you get some other food, like a hamburger or french fries or formula, all you're getting is the food. There is no immune protection except through the breast milk. Tell us about the comfort part. Pardon? Tell us about the comfort Nursing feels good to babies, and actually it feels good to moms. It releases oxytocin, which is your tend and befriend. It's the same hormone that's released when you have a lovely meal with a a loved one and you feel all warm and fuzzy. And you get that every time you nurse, 10, 12 times a day, all night long. Baby gets it too. It's just terrific. The story of my daughter and her broken arm, she's about 15 months old, 
tipped over a shopping cart, smashed open her chin, got five stitches in her chin. We discovered two bro- the both bones in her arm were broken right near the wrist. Next day we go in, and they're putting the cast on her wrist, and by now she's frantic, pulls over to nurse. So she's nursing while they're putting the cast on her arm. And they, the, the technician looked at me and said, I've never seen a kid hold so still during this. Sure. Well, sure, sure, she's nursing. She's sure. being comforted while her broken arms, broke, you know, both bones are broken, are being casted. It's Talk fun. to us about the number three, which is the fun for both. It's fun because kids, while they're nursing, will maybe pull your hair or twiddle with you <laughs> or let go and talk to you. And, and it's something you can do anywhere for any length of time. When when there's a this kid falls down and hurts themselves or yes. when it's just fun. It really is fun to nurse. Uh, it's I a love, special relationship. I love your word picture there. Everybody, don't go away. We're going to pin Linda down on those other two things. Talk to her a little bit more before we close out the show. But anyway, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzo, your host for Born to be Breastfed. We're talking about extended breastfeeding with Linda Smith. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your new angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with Linda Smith. And Linda, just before the break, was talking us to us about some advantages of extended breastfeeding. She talked to us about brain development, comfort, and immune protection, and the the idea of breastfeeding being a special relationship that was fun for both. Linda, you pointed out also uh, on our pre-interview about food security. And in the United States, we don't really think too much about food security. So it convinced me that extended breastfeeding is a good idea for women in America as related to food food security. You ever get stuck on an airplane on the tarmac for three hours? Oh, I sure have. You yeah, know what it, do you girl. do for the kid if you didn't bring it along? Right. Or in the highways around Atlanta during the snowstorm. Or in my house, in where I live in Ohio, we had uh, dry Ike came through in 2008, and there was no power and oh. no food, and the grocery stores ran out of everything. Oh. Uh, it's, it's In emergencies, it's just a no-brainer that the baby and the mother just have no problem. Uh, there's a story about a mom in, I think it was Oregon. She, she had a four-year-old and a nursing baby and her husband, and they got snowbound. Husband went off to find help and actually didn't make it, but they found her... She continued to nurse the little one. She melted snow to get some liquids just because she was thirsty. And the four-year-old began nursing again, and she kept the two kids alive. I remember that. Yeah, real true story. I remember that story. Yeah. Yeah. True story. Yeah. Wow. um, My husband and I moved a lot um, because he was in the Air Force. And I'll tell you, you get in a new place, and you don't know how long you're going to be on the road or, or when you're out camping. We were definitely used to like to do camping. Yeah. You did, you, there's just no issue with getting enough to eat when you're nursing because there's right. always milk there. Oh, wow. You really, I hope that you gave an eye-opener for some people who might be wondering if they're still making the right decision. And boy, to me, that's that's just a huge issue. Uh, Tell us what you mean by a win-win situation for mothers. Well, mothers are always bombarded with, you've got to do this, you shouldn't do that, and you've got to do everything to make a perfect baby, which, of course, nobody can ever do. And you're filled with regrets. What if, what if, what if, what if? What did I do? wrong. Breastfeeding is the one thing that you you don't regret. When you nurse long and well and your child weans on their own, yeah, you had bumps getting there, but you persisted and you look back and you think, oh, am I ever glad I did that. My kids are older now. In fact, two of them have children of their own. And looking back, I can see behavior characteristics now that would have been far worse had they not been breastfed. I see health issues that would have been worse had they not been breastfed. I wasn't breastfed. So as a a senior woman, I'm dealing with medical problems that are partially due to the fact that my mother tried and didn't know how, didn't have any place to turn. And yes. when I was born, it was in the heyday of formula feeding, and mothers were told, A, it didn't matter, and, and given stupid advice that didn't help them at all. Linda, let me ask you this. You and I have both been in this business for longer than we want to admit, and I got to say, I have many times heard a mother say that she regretted bottle feeding a baby. Yes. But have you ever, and I, I should say formula f- feeding a baby, but have you ever heard a mother tell you that she regretted breastfeeding a baby? No. In fact, the only mothers that I've ever heard is wish they'd nursed long enough. Me too. That they regret having 
push their child to wean yes. too soon. I push I my agree. daughter to wean too soon because, 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 and I wish that could have been different. Yes. I, I'm thinking about a woman who had nine children. Count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine children. And she bottle-fed, formula-fed the first eight kids. And she breastfed the ninth baby. Long story to that one. And she told me when I breastfed my ninth child, I sorely regretted ever formula feeding yeah. the others. Yeah. I wish I had a dollar for every story I've heard like that. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, when I hear those, I think I have never, ever heard a mother say that she regretted breastfeeding. And I have certainly heard mothers say they wished that they would have breastfed longer, but there were too many barriers, too much criticism, all the junk that you and I have talked about today. And the fact of the matter is, uh, it's, I, I hope, I hope it's people like you and I who can help mothers to be empowered, to follow their their heart because most mothers really do want to do it. Well, not only that, Marie, but follow their brains. Right yeah. now, the competition, which is the formula company, are competing for stomach shares with mothers for breastfeeding their babies. It's the only product in the world that competes with a woman's biologic function. And their formula marketing is aggressive. It's clever. They'll do anything they can do to sell more formula and by hinting that mom isn't good enough or she doesn't have enough milk or she's doing this or that wrong, they just make money hand over fist. Fist. And Linda, in the one minute or so that we have remaining, can you tell me, I know that you have a new book. Tell us what the name of your book is, who your co-authors are, how can mothers buy your book, and uh, when is it going to be available and why should they buy it? called Sweet Sleep, Nighttime and Naptime Strategies for the Breastfeeding Family. It is officially written by La Leche League International and published by Random House. Um, the authors are Diane Wiesinger, Diana West, myself, and Teresa Pittman with a foreword by Mayim Balick and an oh, introduction yeah. by Dr. Um, Helen Ball. If you watch um, The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, Big uh, Bang, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Farif- What's her name? Uh, it, Amy, um, Amy Farif- yeah. Yeah. It'll be out July 29th. It can be ordered by org or on Amazon, and it'll be in all the popular bookstores, wherever Random House books are. And, Linda, we are doing right now a massive overhaul, and I mean a massive overhaul of my site, Born to be Breastfed for Mothers, and we will also point people to your book there. Uh, I need to tell my listeners, I obviously have not read this book. It hasn't even been published, but I am here to tell you that anything that Linda Smith says, whether it's in a book or on a street corner or on a radio show or even just sitting on my couch, if Linda Smith says it, it's worth listening to. And you might not always agree, but you'll always love Linda for her clarity, her candid opinions that are backed up by science and the fact that Linda is just a really great lady. Linda, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a real pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Marie. We ended up with 426 different references in the book. Oh, my. Fabulous. Fabulous. That's all the time that we have today, folks. I'd like to thank Linda Smith, and I'd also like to thank New Angel and Pumpin' Pal. I'd like to thank all of you for being here today. Visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next week. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for 
uh, evidence-based practice on the web, and sometimes even in your city. Uh, if you're a mother, you'll want to be at my website, borntobebreastfed.com. If you're a professional, you'll want to be at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. Um, um, <laughs> and if you would like to go to Linda Smith's website, which she didn't tell you, but I know from memory, it is www.bflrc.com. And that is uh, Bright Futures. Um, Right, future, singular. Future, yes. The, the website is uh, That's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Linda. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Don't forget to come back next week, and uh, we will have uh, uh, another very interesting guest. I'm Marie Biancuso. I will help you to cut through the myths, clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.